At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The Golden West Radio Network presents Crisis. Memo to Mr. Arthur Bourne, Chief of News Operations, Washington, from William Meyer. Subject, my resignation. Dear Art, I regret the network cannot see the value of the piece on Roosevelt. But I have gone this far into the story, and I can't turn back now. I think I may have the makings of a book. And I want to devote my full time to filling in the gaps. I owe you my thanks for giving me... The network assigned me to research the changeover from the Herbert Hoover administration to the Roosevelt New Deal of 1933, a piece that would hit the air the night of Carter's inaugural. It was while I was trying to find someone still alive who was in on the transition back in 1933 that I ran across an old guy in a rest home in Virginia. He said he'd been in the White House Marine Band. But he started talking about what happened to Roosevelt in 1945. I didn't want to know what happened to Roosevelt in 45, but then it dawned on me what he was saying. Maybe he was crazy, imagining it. But what if he wasn't? What if he was telling me something that had been suppressed for 32 years? So I dropped everything to check it out. For the past six months, I haven't been home for a full week. I haven't even been living in the 1970s. I've been back in the year 1944-45, at the last of the war in Europe. And this is what I think happened. The story really began on August 14, 1944, the day Allied troops landed in southern France. One of the support planes, a P-51 piloted by Lieutenant Howard Mapes of Milwaukee, was shot down. Mapes made a belly landing near a village occupied by the Germans. He was taken prisoner before he could crawl out of the plane. He was held in the village until nightfall when he was taken to the prisoner processing center at Vichy. Then, three days later, Lieutenant Mapes was put aboard a Luftwaffe transport plane and flown up to Mannheim with two other American prisoners. At Mannheim, the lieutenant was separated from the others and placed in a cell by himself. By now, he was aware that he was being treated differently from other captured Americans, but he didn't know why. Come, we take your picture, yeah? For one thing, he was photographed from every angle. It was also weighed and measured. Mapes must have feared it would be the subject of some new kind of torture, but he wasn't tortured. In fact, he was treated better than he'd hoped. He couldn't have known it then, but Mapes had been selected to play a crucial part in a desperate German gamble that had been commissioned by Hitler himself. A plan codenamed Operation Hunter. A plan that was to require a split-second timing, a fanatic's attention to detail, and a fanatic's willingness to give up his life 
for the Fuhrer. And it almost worked. In fact, in a way, perhaps it did work. Hear me out. Then you decide. In one minute, we return to tonight's crisis presentation, Home is the Hunter. Now, back to Home is the Hunter. Less than one week after Lieutenant Mapes arrived in Mannheim, a team of SS troopers began a strange assignment. Night after night, they combed the cafes and nightclubs of Berlin, Munich, Frankfurt, and Bremen, standing in the wings and watching comedians, dancers, and actors. Sometimes they interrogated an entertainer, leaving him limp with dread after a few minutes' talk. Then they would move on through the blacked-out streets to another club, where they would watch another show. It was in Leipzig, finally, that they found their man. Yes, gentlemen. What can I do for you? You can show us your identity papers. My... Oh, uh, yes, of course. This way. I have them here in my coat. Is there something wrong? The papers? Yes, uh, certainly. Uh, here. Here they are. Mm. Uh, everything should be in order. Your name is foreign. Kepek. Janos Kepek. I'm a Czech. I mean, I was born a Czech. But I am a loyal German now. Then why are you acting in a music hall? It's my lungs. They wouldn't let me join up. Believe me, I tried. You're a loyal German now, eh? I am. Believe me. Very well. Perhaps you'll have a chance to prove your devotion to Germany. Come with us. Janos Kapek interested the SS because he represented the combination they'd been searching for. He was five feet eleven, had light brown hair and brown eyes, regular features and a slender build. But most important of all, Kapek was an actor... Especially was playing character roles. His best was an American. His American dialect was perfect. Meanwhile, in Mannheim, the American pilot, Lieutenant Mapes, continued to live better than a captured general. Not only were his meals good and his bed soft, but he had frequent visits with a German officer named Becker, who said he enjoyed the chance to try speaking English with an American. How is everything today, Lieutenant are they treating you well? Yes, sir, they are. Ah, that's good. Anything I can get you? I can't think of anything, sir. Well, I can tell you how much I enjoy our little chats. Do you think my English is improving at all? <laughs> I know a lot of people back home who have more of an accent than you do. Well, that's good. Talk to me some more. I like to hear you talk. Well, what do you want me to talk about? Anything. Your family. Tell me about them. Well, Captain, I, uh... I... Ah, the Geneva rules. I forgot. You don't have to tell me anything. I was just interested in hearing you speak English with your American accent. Well, what the heck. My family? There's my mom and my dad and my older sister. She joined the waves. There was just the two of us kids. Mom belongs to Eastern Star and dad's a broker. Deals in spring. Day after day, Becker carefully drew mapes into reminiscences. They joked and talked and became friends. But after each encounter, Mapes would be taken back to his room without ever encountering any other prisoners. One day, he asked Becker about it. The others? There are hundreds of Americans here, mostly enlisted men. Then why don't I ever see any of them? They're in another part of the camp. We ran out of space, and we didn't want to crowd. So you, my friend, are occupying a German officer's billet. Lieutenant Mapes seemed to accept his good fortune with no further suspicion. He couldn't have known that for all his apparent freedom, he was being closely observed nearly every waking moment, every day, 
Not only was Mapes unaware of this, but the man doing the secret observing didn't know then why he was being asked to duplicate the prisoner's movements and mannerisms. Well, what the heck. My family? There's my mom and dad and my older sister. She joined the waves. There was just the two of us kids. There? You hear that, Kapak? There was just the two of us kids. He is careless with his grammar. There was just the two of us kids. Well, what the heck? There's my mom and dad. There was just the two of us kids. Excellent. Captain, when will you tell me why I am doing this? All in good time, Herr Kapak. All in good time. Kapak turned out to be a good pupil. Within days after he started watching Mapes through spy holes in the prisoner's room and listening to recordings of his conversation, Kapak was sounding as if he had never lived outside the city limits of Milwaukee. It was then time for the next step in the plan. Herr Kapak, you have a visitor. I have? Who? Major Heinrich Taubmann from the Reichskanzlei. From the... That's correct, from the Führer's own staff. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Major Taubman, this is Janus Kapek. Ah, Herr Kapek. What an honor. The honor is mine, uh, Major Taubman. Please sit down, Herr Kapek. Taubman, that will be all for now. Jawohl, Herr Major. Now, Herr Kapek, you have been very patient. I know you are wondering to what purpose you are studying this enemy pilot's or mannerisms. Well, I am wondering, Herr Mate. You have been chosen for a glorious assignment. You will be the key man in a secret project under the personal direction of the Führer himself. I will. Yeah, but before I disclose it to you, I must have your word, your sacred oath as an officer and a gentleman of the Third Reich, that you will never speak of this to any living person. <coughs> but, Major Taubman, excuse, excuse me. I am not an officer. They wouldn't accept me because of my lungs. But that oversight has been corrected. Hauptmann Kapek. Hauptmann? You're making me a captain? Retroactive to the first day you came to Mannheim. I... I don't know what to say. Do you accept? Uh... Yeah, Major, with great pride. Good, good. Now then, the Führer has directed that an operative of the Third Reich must assume the role of an American hero. The role must be played perfectly... Because this hero will be taken to Washington, D.C. and be awarded a medal. There will be reporters from the press, American government officials, many witnesses you present. You don't mean... Precisely. I... You, Kapek, as Lieutenant Mapes of Milwaukee. But what has he done to be a hero? He's no flying ace. He wasn't even wounded. By the time he arrives in Washington, D.C., Lieutenant Mapes will be a hero. We are seeing to that at this moment. But how? Well, you see... Mapes is going to escape from Mannheim. He's going to steal a Focke-Wulf bomber and fly it to a small French airfield where he will land it, turn it over to the Allies and deliver the news that he has bombed our most vital railhead installation at Essen along the way. He will be taken to the United States where he will go directly to Washington, D.C. And there, he will play his greatest role before the most select audience in America. Wait a minute. You're talking about me, then? Exactly. But I don't know how to fly a plane. There will be a pilot, of course. The landing will be accomplished after dark. He will slip away and be taken care of by our people in France. It is all arranged. Everything is being arranged. 
The operatives in this in the United States report everything is in readiness. Then word of your daring exploits are reach the White House. It will be suggested that you be flown there as a part of an American war bond campaign. The White House? Why, yes. Oh, oh. didn't I mention? You will be awarded a medal by President Roosevelt. And as he pins the decoration on you, you will shoot him with a nine-millimeter pistol sewn into the right sleeve of your jacket. Now, Act Two of Home is the Hunter. I am to shoot Roosevelt. Isn't that majestic? The world will shake. Your eternal place in history is already enshrined, Herr Capric. But suppose I do it. Suppose I do shoot him. Then what happens to me? Capric, how many of us, no matter how high our rank, will ever have the honor of changing the entire complexion of a global struggle? I don't have to tell you that things are not going well for Germany now. We are demolished in Russia. Europe is running with German blood. The British and the Americans are in Europe. But... When the world learns that we have killed Roosevelt, it will simply demoralize the Allies. Then I am going to give my life. Can you conceive of a higher honor? By Christmas of 1944, the German apparatus inside the United States had signaled Berlin that all was in readiness for Operation Hunter. In Mannheim, Mapes continued his aimless but comfortable existence as a prisoner, growing fat on the extra rations they fed him. Capek had undergone facial surgery, which had altered his own features to a remarkable likeness of Lieutenant Mapes. And as he convalesced, Capek memorized everything he would need to perfect the greatest and final performance of his career. What is your name, Lieutenant? Mapes, Howard D. 0296537. Service? 449th Fighter Wing, 8th Air Force. Father's name? George. Mother's maiden name? Alice Baker. Uh, brothers or sisters? I have an older sister, Jean. She's two years older than I am. She's <coughs> she's in the waves. <coughs> that cough of yours, you must do something about it. It's nothing. Take care of it, Capek. Excuse me, sir. My name is Mapes. Lieutenant Howard Mapes. You have everything now. Everything? Then I wish you Godspeed, Zanos. Major. Yes? I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to make my life count for something. Zanos, you know those sentimental Americans. They may only take you prisoner. You could be declared insane and put away for a few years. No, you don't need to pretend. I know I'm a dead man. <laughs> I knew it even before you did, Major. I knew it when the Army turned me down. Tuberculosis. Did you select me for this mission because you knew I was dying anyway? Of course not. You were the perfect one to do it, that's all. All the same, I much prefer to die for something. So I thank you. And I thank the Fuhrer. And all Germany thanks you, Hauptmann. No, from here on out, I am Lieutenant Howard Mates. Of course, of course, you're quite right. What will be done with him now? Nothing, nothing. Oh, now that we have no further use for him in Mannheim, he'll be sent to a regular Stalagluft with the others. Will you do something for me, Major? Of course. When it's... When it is all over, will you tell him? If you like, yes. I think he deserves to know. You have my word on it. Well, take off time in five minutes. Yes, sir. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Lieutenant Mapes. 
The plane carrying the actor Janos Kapek left the military field at Mannheim, and a few hours later, a shortwave transmission from occupied France beamed a message to the German high command in Berlin. The message was decoded by Allied intelligence, but it still meant nothing to them. It simply repeated, over and over, the hunter is starting home. The hunter is starting home. But in Berlin, there was rejoicing. The message meant that Capek had made it to the American lines, and Operation Hunter was underway. The weeks of silence that followed must have been maddening for the few in Germany who knew of Operation Hunter. German intelligence lost track of Capek, didn't even know whether he had been found out and shot, imprisoned in Britain, or shipped home to the U.S., Night after night, the Berlin listening post monitored the frequencies used by the German agents on the Atlantic coast of the United States. But night after night, they received only static. Then, at last, one night near the middle of March, a steady stream of dots and dashes came through the static. The signal was weak, but clear enough. It said, Home is the hunter. This was the word Adolf Hitler had been waiting for. It meant that Capek had made it to Washington, D.C., his true identity unsuspected. It meant that the assassination of Franklin D. Roosevelt was now only hours away. The years of war, the tensions of the Casablanca and Yalta conferences, and the weight of his crippling disability had worn Franklin D. Roosevelt into a deeply haunted-looking man. He seemed to have physically shrunk over the years. He sat now, a heavy coat thrown over his shoulders, a broad-brimmed hat shading his eyes on this blustery spring morning. His wheelchair was covered entirely by a robe, so it appeared he was sitting in a conventional chair. But the wheelchair had been rolled up up a ramp onto a ten-inch high platform and locked in place. He was now high enough that it wouldn't strain him excessively to reach out and pin the decorations on the chests of the six young men who stood at rigid attention there in the White House garden. On the green velvet stand beside his chair, the president grasps the first of the medal cases, opens it, and glances at the inscription. This occasion, and others like it, represents a great honor for the United States of America and for me as your commander-in-chief. For conspicuous gallantry in the face of overwhelming enemy attack... For what must be the hundredth time, Janos Kapek checks the tiny nine-millimeter pistol, which is held at a special angle by a strap around his right forearm. The trigger is a taut elastic cord, secured to a ring on the third finger of his right hand. He has but to flex his hand, and the tiny weapon will fire. Range will be point-blank. He cannot miss. After all, he will be standing directly in front of his target, a very old, sick man in a wheelchair. Now it's time. Janos Kapek steps forward, executes a smart left face, and marches to a stop in front of the president. He turns right face and stands immobile. Lieutenant Howard D. Mapes, United States Army Air Corps. While flying a ground support mission aiding our forces in France, your fighter aircraft was disabled. You made a safe landing behind German lines and were captured, and you were held prisoner in Mannheim, Germany. You escaped, piloting a German bombing plane, effectively dropping incendiary bombs on the city of Essen. You then flew the bomber to within a few miles of the front, landing it safely and turning it over to American forces. 
for conspicuous bravery. <laughs> uh, for, bra- for bravery. Lieutenant, Lieutenant, are you ill? No. Someone Stand help back. this boy. Get away! <laughs> Now listen to me, all of you. You photographers, destroy your film. Go on. There will be not one word written or spoken about this incident. That is an order. The shot had gone wild. It did no damage. Many didn't even know a gun had been fired. Janos Kapek was taken under guard to a military hospital in Washington, D.C., and was sent later to a hospital in Maryland, where he died of natural causes in October of 1945. Of the real Lieutenant Howard D. Mapes, nothing is known, except that he was listed as an escapee from detention at Mannheim, Germany, in January 1945. On April 12, 1945, only a few days following the incident in the White House garden, President Franklin D. Roosevelt died of a cerebral hemorrhage. But the death of the president did not affect the outcome of the war. Less than a month afterward, the last of the German armies surrendered. It isn't known whether the German agent in New Jersey ever sent word to the Berlin listening post again following the abortive assassination attempt. He may have. But by then, there was nobody listening in Berlin. Is the Hunter was written and directed for Crisis by yours truly Jim French and featured Richard Arnold, Russ Money, Steve Hilliard, John Beale, and as the reporter, John Gilbert. Live sound created by Jeff Thompson, studio engineering by Carney Barton. Crisis is produced at Audio Recording Incorporated. Join us next week when we again bring you Crisis. <laughs>